Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. church is. What a gift. Amen. I don't want to take uh, that ever for granted, but I appreciate the fact that you are here today. Iron sharpeneth iron. That's what the scripture says. And so I believe that we can, with the help of the Lord, we can all leave here changed, not just by his spirit and presence, but we can also leave here changed by the fact that we have been able to spend some time together. And that the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost just do something in our lives to shape us and mold us. Praise God. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to uh, join me in the book of Numbers, chapter 32. The book of Numbers, chapter 32, and verse number 1. I'm going to preach a message that Brother Josh has heard me preach before. Amen, but that's all right. The book of Numbers, chapter 32, and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, if you drop down to verse number 4, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Amen. Bring us not over Jordan. And with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to just speak from my heart to this congregation and let the presence of God challenge us by his word. How many would just avail yourself to his word today? Amen. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the privilege to be in your house. And I ask you today to let the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost minister to us. Strengthen us, Lord, in Jesus' name by the power and by the authority of your word. Your grace is sufficient, and it is sufficient for this day. And so we pray, Lord, your presence would just do the work now. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. This seems like a rather odd passage of Scripture, especially in the sense of how it plays out before us. The people at the center of this story are not just no ones, they are far more than just nomads, but these are the children of promise. They are not just aimlessly wandering through life, but they are walking day by day by the hand of God, leading them and guiding them. 
So here are descendants that have a tremendous promise. They have a fixed future. God has already established and settled in his mind and heart what their future would be. They were recipients, direct recipients of the promise that was given to Abraham. And according to what the Lord told Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 12, that he would lead them to a land that flows with milk and honey. That doesn't, that analogy doesn't mean as much to us today in 2017 as it meant to Abraham in that day, but it was a land of plenty, a land of promise. So it was not a journey that had, for this particular people, that had just begun hours before, days before, months before, or even years before. But this was a journey that encompassed decades. This was a journey that had been promised. I think most everyone today understands the, the troubles and perhaps if you've read any of the Bible stories to do with the children of Israel and their Exodus journey, then we understand some or at least in part of the troubles and the trials that these people faced in their pursuit of going where the Lord desired for them to go. I think that's an important thing to understand that, that sometimes in our journey to get to where the Lord wants us to go, we, we also have to understand that it is a journey, it's a process. God doesn't just sweep us up from this place and set us mystically into another place in time, even though God is destined or desires to take us to that place. I think probably one uh, of the epic stories of this in Scripture is found in the life of Joseph where God dealt with Joseph specifically in dreams about his future and what it would be. And it seems to us, if we look at it very fleshly and in a carnal way and forgive uh, this analogy, but it seems as though the Lord left out some pretty significant portions of that story. He showed him in a dream that that people would bow down before him, his own family would bow down before him. And, and uh, in fact, we understand that in the end, all of that came to fruition. But it seems like to us in our flesh, as we read over that story, that the Lord left out some pretty important parts of that of that meaningful journey. And so it is with you and I that God has promised many things. I don't think just to us individually, but I think God has made promises to us collectively. I believe God has made promises concerning this particular church. I'm not just talking about the church in general or the church at large, but I believe there are some promises that God has made to this church in particular. And so we can't be dissuaded by some of the journeys or, or the battles rather that we face along the journey assuming that God must not be with us or we would not be facing what we are facing. How many times could Joseph and anybody else, really for that matter in scripture, how many times could they have, uh, were they given room for pause in, in their own life to think, if I am in the will of God, then what am I doing here? This past Wednesday, I talked about Paul who would not be dissuaded just because of a prison sentence. He would not be stopped or even hindered, it seemed, from writing letters that we are still gleaning from today. He, he, could, have certainly, uh, he could have certainly been discouraged and not allow God to use him in that regard and none here would think anything about that in our flesh. 
But Paul decided that despite the circumstances, I may not be writing to you from an ideal place, but let me write to you nonetheless. What he thought was just a church, a letter to some churches became letters to the church. And so we are still rejoicing in that, and I'm so thankful for that. And so here, back to our scripture text, are men and women that had been following the promise of the Lord for a long time. And so we understand, again, some of the things that they encountered along the way. They were scarcely out of Egypt before it seemed not only the miraculous happened, but it seemed as though that they were facing with surmountable odds. They were the Red Sea and the bitter waters of Merah and, and, and what are we going to eat? And yet God always made provision and he brought them through time and time and time again. Somewhere this time of the year, if you are joining us in our bread program, we've already read about this Exodus journey and we're just reminded of God's powerful hand of provision, how that he was right there to give them exactly what they needed when they needed it. I understand that we would like for God to pre-answer our prayers. That would be so cool. Amen, if we knew that you know, we were facing something next Tuesday and on Friday the Lord just went ahead and sent us a clearance on it. Uh, you know, Tuesday's not here yet, but just want you to know it's all gonna go your way. Everything's gonna be well. We would love those pre-answered prayers, but more often than not, he's kind of that 1159 God. Amen, we're just standing there wringing our hands, trying to exercise our faith, trusting on the promises that the Lord has given, standing on that little small parcel of real estate that God had given us, we call it a promise. We're standing there ever so carefully balancing on, our, on our, ourselves on what God has said he would do. And then God does indeed come through. And, and uh, oftentimes, if I can just be honest, oftentimes we seem shocked by that. Even though we say we believe God to make a way and God does make that way. But we understand these trials and the ups and the downs their forefathers had certainly succumbed to doubt, amen, whenever they were, when, they, when spies were sent into the land to spy out the land. The scripture says that at the announcement of just two who come back, amen, they were looking at the obstacles and failed to see the promises. They saw the hills and the valleys and they saw cities to conquer and they saw the giants and somehow they lost sight of the marvels that God was wanting to give them, the bounty that the Lord was wanting to bless them. The scripture says, when they came out, they said, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. Somehow they had forgotten the miracles that God had performed all along the way. A representative from each tribe had already gone to the promised land. And again, some saw the good Others saw the bad. And as a result of this report, doubt filled the hearts of the people. And because of that, they all walked away. And in, in light of, of their unbelief, in light of their doubt, God walked an entire generation to death, most literally. Forty years they walked in the wilderness. Finally, one day, the voice of God speaks again and says, you have come past this mountain long enough, turn ye and go northward. A generation of doubters had now been laid to rest. Another generation now stands ready to receive the promises of the Lord. Amen, so our text now takes us 
with this second generation right to the edge of the promised land. This is no longer a dream. This is not just something that was buried in the heart of Abraham. This is not just something that was shared with Isaac or with Jacob. These are not promises that were just shared with others that it would come to pass, that maybe and might be, but they're standing on the edge of the absolute promised land. What they had dreamed about and heard about and heard their forefathers speak of time and time and time again is now coming into fruition. Amen, it's the fruition of many things that have its roots firmly planted all the way back in the book of Genesis. It was here that God spoke to Abraham. He called him to leave his country. He called him to leave his family. He called him to leave everything that was familiar to him and go to a place that Abraham, frankly, had no ability to comprehend. However, he moved in faith and he became that pilgrim and stranger, traveling as though he were nothing more than a vagabond, living in tents, reaching a world, reaching for a world that was yet unknown to him. He meant he moved in faith. Today, we are the recipients, not only of Abraham, but of men such as Abraham and Sarah who reached for something, amen, because it was a promise of God and they move forward in faith. And we are where we are today because of their, as the scripture says, unfeigned faith. Amen, they would not be discouraged. They would not turn around, but they continue to press forward. If we fast forward time significantly, we find God's people again standing at the edge with a promise in view. They're standing in a critical place in time. It is a critical moment and it has proven to have been a very critical moment in time. I think we have what we may well consider today the promised land take two. They have been given a level playing field one more time. They All they have to do now is walk in, take possession of the promise. It's there. To be sure, there will be battles to fight. There will be cities to conquer. There will be giants to kill. However, it will be worth any and everything that they can and would possibly encounter. It's going to be worth every city they have to conquer because they're going to be able to experience finally and firsthand what God is wanting them to have. However, as it's sadly been noted through the years, the only thing that we generally learn from history is the fact that we learn nothing from history. It's in a frighteningly familiar fashion. Amen, we see yet another generation that comes to the outskirts of the promise and it's here that two and a half of these 12 tribes decide that where we are today is good enough. We can just sink our roots down here and we have everything that we need and there is no there is no need for us to go further or cross Jordan and take possession of the land. They look over the land that they have just conquered. They look over the cities that they have just called and claimed for their own and they feel as though it would be better for us to just either build our houses according to history 
They either built new houses, but some historians believe that they just perhaps rebuilt houses that were damaged in their conquer or rebuilt pens for their cattle. And it was enough. We can get right here and raise our families. We can get right here and do what God, uh, we can, we can get right here and do what would satisfy us despite the fact that they would be just outside of the will of God. In their mind, they had reached the conclusion that close is good enough. But I today want to tell you that close is not good enough. I mean, it's not enough to just come to the edge of the promises of the Lord and then somehow allow ourselves to drive the tent stakes down and say this is where we can abide. This is where we can live. It's a frightening thought to be sure, but entire churches can develop this mindset. Not just individuals or not just families, but entire churches can come to the cusp of what God is wanting to do in their midst and just decide, you know what? Let's don't upset the apple cart. Let's just put down some roots here and this will be all right when we are failing to realize something very, very important and that is that the kingdom of God is not static and the kingdom of God is dynamic and by that I mean that the kingdom of God is ever moving and so there's no such thing as just coming to a place and saying this is okay and we can bide out our time right where we are because in fact, whether we realize it or not, when we stop moving forward, we we begin moving backward. Amen. There's no such thing as just standing static in a world that is dynamic, in a world that is ever moving. And so I say, Lord, help me today not to get close to the promise and decide that this is good enough. I've fought enough battles. I've conquered enough cities. I've killed enough giants. And the Lord is saying, but there is more that I want to give you. Amen. I'll be with you all the way to the end. I will help you. I didn't bring you this far to leave us. He that has started something in us, begun a good work in us, is more than able to bring it to completion. That's the kind of God we serve. Perhaps we could look around us today and think about how much better off we are today than we have been in times past. We could look in our history and think about how far the Lord has brought us and it's an humbling journey just to go through in our mind of where the Lord has brought us. With that thought in mind, we could say, you know, we've conquered a lot and we've accomplished a lot. We're nowhere near where we have been in times past and because of that, we could start digging footers and start laying a foundation for not just our homes and not just our lives, but sadly, we could start laying the foundation for the lives of our children and their children. Amen. But I, I believe the Lord would have me to say today, amen, that our best days are not behind us, although we have some wonderful days behind us. We have some things to celebrate. We have some things to talk about and to continue to talk about. We have some of those monuments in our past, amen, that the scripture talks about when you cross Jordan, build a monument with 12 stones, amen, that are carried out by 12 tried men. And when your children ask what meaneth these stones, remembering, amen, that these stones are not for you and they're not about you, but these stones are a memorial for a generation 
that will come after you and say, what, what are all these rocks about? To them, if you, don't, if you don't speak up, to them it'll just be a pile of rocks. But if you start talking about what this means, amen, they're gonna have roots that will connect to that. I'm gonna tell you today, I have a fear in my heart that we've got some adults that are walking with God, amen, but they're not worried about the generation behind them, even their own children. And I say, oh God, help us today. It's not enough for me to fall in love with the Lord, but I wanna pass this torch. I wanna pass this mantle to a generation behind me. I don't want just my own children to be saved. I don't wanna just have convictions in my heart and in my life, but I wanna sit down and talk about these stones. Why? Does the preacher preach about this? Why does the Sunday school teacher teach about this? Why is our student ministry leaders talking about this? Amen, don't leave it up to me and don't leave it up to a Sunday school teacher and don't leave it up to a a student ministry pastor team. Amen, we need to talk about these stones. How often? He said you need to talk about it when you lay down. You need to talk about it when you get up. You need to talk about it when you walk by the way. It ought to be as frontless between your eyes. It ought to be written over the door post to your house. We need to talk about the good things of the Lord. Can we clap our... Amen. It is, it is a battle worth winning. Our best days. We've got some great days behind us, but that's not our best days. We've got some wonderful stories to tell, but that's not the best stories because they're yet to be written. Amen. We've got some things to talk about. How that God just swept in right on time and He made the impossible possible. But I'm going to tell you that God of this church's yesterdays is the same God of this church's today and it is the same. God of this church's tomorrows and so I'm not going to plant my feet in yesterday and try to live life through the rear view mirror. Amen. I'm going to enjoy today but my eyes are fixed like the apostle Paul. My eyes are fixed on the prize that is before me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle would be worth a reward. Let's look back at our text if we can this morning. Moses hears their plans to stop. Amen. Moses hears that the rumbling in the camp, or the camps in this case, that close enough is good enough. We're just gonna, somehow we're gonna look past the rubble and we're going to rebuild this. We can rebuild this home and we can rebuild these pens. And, and, and Moses asked a very pointed question. In Numbers 32 and 6, the Bible says, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, he said, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? I could put this in our language today. Moses was saying, for real? For real? You're gonna send your brothers in? You've walked all this way together and you're gonna get to the edge of the promise and you're gonna build your houses here and you're gonna pin up your cattle here and you're gonna raise your children here 
and you're going to send your brothers into the battle while ye sit here. You're going to come to the edge of the promise. Amen. You're just going to fortify some homes. You're going to try to rebuild something on the edge of the promise. You're going to try to mend some fences and put your cattle there. You're going to settle for the land that has already been possessed. Amen. It's not just the fact that you're going to settle outside Canaan, but the real atrocity here is that you are going to stop and you're going to let your brother, amen, you're going to let him fight a battle, amen, that they were never intended to fight alone. There is little doubt that everyone was counting on them to be there to conquer Canaan. I don't think Joshua was counting just a few tribes and leaving some out so we can't depend on them. But I believe that Joshua, when he was, when he was contemplating exactly what it was gonna take to make this next step, I believe he had everybody's name on the roll. I mean, you can think I'm wrong today, but I believe that Joshua was saying, hey, we're gonna be able to count. This is how many we're gonna march in here and this is how strong we're gonna march in and now they're gonna stop short and they're not just stopping short for them themselves, but they're going to let somebody else fight the fight. Can I tell you today, amen, I wonder if we're going to let somebody else pray our prayer, if we're going to let somebody else do the sacrificing, if we're going to let somebody else do the fasting, if we're going to let somebody else hold true to the old path, are we going to let somebody else hold on to the doctrine? Are we going to just let somebody else hold on? Amen, and we're just going to sit on the edge of this and just step in when we want to and go home when we want to. I'm reaching with every fiber of my soul today to tell you that it's not enough to camp on the outside and let somebody else pull down the power of God. It's not enough to live like we want to live all through the week amen then just come here and enjoy the overflow of a prayer that somebody else prayed amen the blessings and the power of God that we ourselves have not been invested in. I say Moses said are you telling me the truth are you serious that you're going to let somebody else fight this battle Amen. Moses wasn't through with his rebuke when in verse seven he said, and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them, they're counting on you. He said, you're gonna take a chance here to discourage the heart of the children of Israel and then he reaches back in history. In verse eight, and he said, thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. We've got history repeating itself. Look down, you're walking in a rut of a, of, of, of a path, a trail that somebody before, your own fathers have stood right here. He said, when they went up under the valley of Keskul, they saw the land and they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had promised them. Amen, this is so critical. Amen, I wonder how many generations have walked to the promise and said, no, we can't do this and discouraged the heart of the people today. Amen, I just wanna stand behind this desk and not discourage you, but I want to encourage you and tell you that the Lord hasn't brought us to 2007 
17 and said, well, you're at the apex. This is the zenith of what I had planned for this church in 1940. I don't believe we've even been able to view the zenith. I don't believe we've even got our eyes or our hands around the promises. He said, I'll give you beyond what you can think or ask. And so I say, dear God, help us today. Amen. Not to stop short of what God is wanting to do. Moses was reminding them of how history is just seemingly repeating itself. Amen. He tells them to do what's in their heart amazingly. Amen. But when he does so, they run the risk. Amen. Of the Lord not doing in their life what God was really wanting to do. It makes you wonder. What caused them to lose faith along the way? However, Moses has now essentially, and I'm just gonna use this word, amen, but I believe it. I believe that Moses has just essentially shamed them into going to battle. You mean you're gonna let somebody else go fight your battle? He just appealed to their emotions. Amen. And listen to this strange compromise. They replied to this in verse 17, we will, we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. They have extracted themselves completely out of this situation. We will go, we will arm ourselves Amen, we will fight until we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fence cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will go and fight. We'll fight for them so that they can have theirs. Amen. I listen to how people talk. I listen to people's language. When somebody says, y'all have a good church here, they have not taken possession and made it their own. Amen. We need to change our language and say we have a good church. Amen. God has been good to us, not good to y'all or good to them. Amen. We need to buy in and put some skin in the game and take possession of this ourselves. I don't want, I, I don't want to build a house for my children to live on the outskirts of the promise. I don't want to say this is close enough. This is good enough. I don't want to say, well, I'll go in if you shame me bad enough and I'll help them fight and get the possession of their land. I'll help them build their house. But I say, oh God, help me today. Amen. That I buy all the way into this. Amen. I do not want to dwell in a fence city somewhere else and let someone else have the promise that God has for me. Amen. He said, we will not, in verse number 18, they said, we will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. Their language has given them away. Their vocabulary, the words they're using are, is crystal clear where their heart is. Amen. We, here's how dedicated we are, Moses. Here's how committed we are. We won't even go back to our house until the children of Israel 
have inherited every man his promise. Verse 19, for we will not inherit with them on yonder side, Jordan, or forward because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side of Jordan. This seems so strange to me. It seems so strange to me. Amen, I just need your pastor to be able to speak to you for just a moment. It seems so strange to me that right here in services much like we're having today, I've watched people in this congregation tread over into Canaan. Amen. They walked into the promises of the Lord but as soon as this surface is over amen just a few days later they're making their way back over Jordan going back to where they've always been living and camping out. Cannot you smell Jordan still in your garments? Amen. The sand of of Canaan in your garments. The sand of Canaan is still in your sandals. Amen. I'm asking you today come on over. Amen. And tomorrow don't go back. I'm asking you today to get over Amen. And burn the bridge. Tear it down. Don't walk back. You know why? Because your children need you to get established. Your children need you to set some things in your heart, in your home, in your lives, in your marriage. They need us. I'm not just talking. I am talking about our biological children. But I'm not just talking about biological children. I want to preach about spiritual children. Amen. They need to find not just an apostolic church sign in the front yard, but they need to find an apostolic congregation on the inside of the building and so I say oh Lord help us to realize that close is not enough some view only the price and not the promise Some view only the price and not the promise. They walked in, said, too much, too much. We can't do this. They marched over into Canaan. They saw the bounty and the promises of God all of those years before. Hear me today. They saw firsthand this is not a pipe dream. This is a reality. The waters of Jordan parted. They walked over on dry ground. This is not a dream. They fought battles, they conquered giants. They had some of their own trophies and victories to boast of. Yet when it was all said and done, they said, when we get through, just so you know, we're going back. We're going back. We're going to move in those houses we built, and that's where we're going to raise our children. They crossed back over and settled for less than what God had desired to give them. Now, I think it's possible that some people never fully buy into the promise of of what God wants to do within the context of the church I think it's, I think it's also possible and, and I speak of the church at large but I think it's also possible that, that some people never fully buy into the promise of what God is wanting to do within the context of the church locally several years ago many many years ago now we had a lady visit our church um, I, I don't remember really the backstory of why 
She visited the church, but she sat right over here in this area. After church, I spoke to her, and she told me where she lived, the city in central Florida. It just so happened I had some family that lived just down the road from where she was talking, and, and I had noticed as, as we had gone back and forth in that route, uh, how that a church there had begun to expand. They built a new building. This was an enormous, enormous building. And um, we kind of watched that over the years go up. And and uh, so I, when she made mention of the fact that uh, that's where she attended church, I said, oh, you know, my wife and I, through the years, we have watched how the churches began to grow. And, and boy, what a beautiful building now right there on the corner of that in, intersection. And I was not prepared for the bah humbug response she took my head off at the shoulders she said I liked it better when it was little and she began to list long laundry list of all the things she felt like she had lost because God had blessed their church I thought how sad how sad to think that I want to protect my little bit of turf here. And if I can just keep this where I'm comfortable, and God has plans that would blow our mind. Amen, if we'll just stop protecting turf. Amen, if we'll just, if we'll just stop protecting what we claim, it's not ours anyway, but if we'll stop claiming what we think is ours and, and try to stop anything else. Amen, I say, God, help us today to be, amen, what we need to be. I, I think it's possible for the people that even make up this congregation to not fully buy into the promise of what God is wanting to do in this church. Amen, I'm not being unkind to you today. I'm telling you that sometimes we can just get outside of the promise and say, you know what, this feels so good. I'm just gonna sit out here and I'm gonna look at the city lights. I'm gonna enjoy them from a distance from a but I'm going to tell you there's nothing like getting right downtown if you want to really see how tall a skyscraper is don't just look at it from 50 miles out go stand at its base and look all the way up amen the dizzying effect to just boggle our minds I say Lord I don't want to stand miles away from the promise and say we're good enough but I want to walk to the base of the promise I want to be marveled and bedazzled by the bounty of it amen I want to be bad to be dazzled by the by the magnitude of what God is wanting to do in our midst. Amen. We, I, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but we have to also understand the critical moments in the history of our existence. Amen. It, we stand with our future somewhat settled, standing at the cusp of something significant. Therefore, we call all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Not just a group of people that are somewhat committed to the future of the church, but we need a people that are fully committed to the future of the church. Amen, these people were committed, but they were just committed to help somebody else get what they wanted. I don't want to meander too far here away from my subject, but I just wonder how hard you would fight for somebody else if you already know you have what you need. I mean, they're running into war. They're running into battle, hand-to-hand combat, nowhere near 
like battles of today, hand-to-hand combat. How deep into enemy territory would you really run without thinking, I don't want to get hurt here now. I just got the baseboards painted on my house. I I don't want to get hurt here. I don't want to take a chance on losing a limb. I don't want to get my eye poked out. I want to enjoy that that house that I built on the hill. So they're in the battle, but they're not in the battle. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, you've got other tribes, not of these men. I mean, they're giving it their all because their future depends on this. If we don't conquer this city, then we're not going to possess this city. But somebody else beside them is fighting along, kind of going through the motions. One time I was, um, I was uh, at a place of business and they had hired some, apparently it appeared to me, I'm pretty sure I'm right, hired some day labor. And so they had several, maybe a half dozen men that were unloading a semi-trailer. And I, I sat there, I was having to wait on somebody. So I, I sat there and, and I found this quite entertaining. There was the busiest guy there was doing nothing. It was it was comical. He was moving around like a bee. He was just moving all around, and he had not unloaded one, not one box. Everybody else is working around there, and he's just he's just going through the motions. And I thought about that this morning. I I wonder how many times some are in the battle because our very future depends on this. And other people are just busy. They're just busy and, and they've really never put their hands to anything and they've really never never took a chance to say, you know, I could lose my life this and this. I could uh, This could cost me everything, but you know what? If I die in battle, I've got a son. Hey, man, he'll be able to inherit this. If I, if I die today trying to conquer this city, it'll be all right because I've got some grandchildren. They're gonna be able to move into this. I'm telling you today that we need to fight with everything that we have. I, I know I I seem like a broken record in so many ways, but the Bible says we need to have an inheritance for our children's children. Amen, That 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 means something very, very significant. Amen, that means the generation behind us, amen, they don't have a thing to worry about because it's not just gonna barely be enough for them if they act right, if they do right, if they don't spend too much, if they're careful. Amen, we don't have just enough for you, but we have enough for a children's children. I'm telling you today that that's not going to happen if we just move to the edge of the promise and say we'll camp here. It's not going to happen with people that says, well, I'll go in and help you fight your battle for your house and your land. Just so you know, when this is all said and done, we're going home because this is not home. We've already built our house. We've already settled our future. Amen, they were trapped in their past. They already had houses built. It's in your Bible. They already have places for cattle and livestock. No, no real need to press forward for new ground. And so it's possible today that someone has already decided that where we have been or where we are is more valuable than where God desires to take us. It's possible that some here this morning are willing to engage in a battle but not the battle. It's possible that we will connect to a cause, but not the cause. And when we do that, and when it's all said and done, they have no intention of staying on this side of Jordan and reaping the real reward of what God is wanting to do 
I'm reaching with everything that I have today. Amen. I'm saying drive down some tent stakes. Amen. Set the course of our, of not just our future, but set the course of our children's children's future. Amen. It's sometimes that some are just here in body, but not really committed to the overall cause that God has commissioned the church to do. And so it's not enough to have church in a city or a community for the sake of mere social standing. The church has got to be committed to the promises that are made to the generations before us. So I do not want to build my house in close proximity to what I think God is wanting to do or what his will may indeed be for my life. But I want to make sure that I am possessing Canaan. Amen. I want to get to those cities that he said, see, I've given that to you. Furthermore, when I get myself and I get my family, and I'm speaking on all of our behalfs today, I have no intention of going back. No intention of going back. I'm talking about spiritually now. No intention of going back spiritually where I've been. I don't want to go back to the dregs. I don't want to go back where I have been spiritually. I'm not talking about physically, but spiritually. Amen. I want to take my family to a place, drive down some tent stakes, and claim this for a generation that would come after me. Numbers 32 and 4 and 5, as our musicians maybe would come. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle. And he said, and thy servants have cattle. You see, if we're not careful, we'll lose what was really said right there. They just looked at this from logic. This makes total sense. Where we are is a place good for cattle, and we have cattle. Must be the will of God. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession and bring us not over Jordan. The sad truth is what they were really saying is what the Lord has given now is adequate for what we have right now. So perhaps we just should stay where we are right now. It's much like Lot when he just kind of looked at things through logic. But Abraham knew something that Lot did not understand. Abraham knew this, that wherever I go, God will bless it. So freely he said, look around, Lot. You take whatever you want. If you want this over here, then I'll take what's over here. If you want this over here, I'll take what's over here because Abraham understood one simple thing. God will bless wherever I stand. He's already made that promise. Wherever the soles of your feet, that's what I'm gonna bless. So here's a man who's looking at God's promise and another man who's only looking at life through the lens of logic and he said, you know, I'm going to take these well-watered plains. I'm going to do this over here because that fits me here and now. But Abraham realized this is not about here and now. We're on our way somewhere far beyond here and now. 
Amen. Let's not settle for what God is wanting to do today, but let's reach into our tomorrows. Amen. So I can't make decisions today, or I can't make decisions, rather, for tomorrow based on things today. I heard someone say many years ago, I I literally wrote it down, but I, I, I was really unaware that I was etching this in my heart when I wrote it down. Never forget in the midnight hour what God has promised you in the sunlight of his love. Never forget in the midnight hour what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. And so I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm preaching to people today that God has made some incredible promises to. Don't forget those in the midnight hour. When it's dark and dismal and it seems like how in the world would the Lord pull this off? He is the Lord of all. Amen. I don't want to get close because that's just not, it's not good enough. You're going to have to walk all the way in. Amen. Let's stand together. Can we lift our hands and our voices? Would you just let the spirit of the Lord, would you let it just touch your heart today? Amen. Let the word of God find a resting place in your soul and your life right now. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.